welcome to episode 37 of Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. Thank you so much for stopping by, saying hi, kicking it with me today on the stream. If you're watching this live over at twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. If you are watching this on YouTube, hey, thank you for checking out the video version of the podcast. And if you're listening to this in the audio format, thank you for finding me over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm sorry. That you can't get a CD version of this podcast. You know what? I made audio format jokes uh, a couple of podcasts ago, so we'll we'll skip those. Uh, we'll skip those jokes and get right into news. We have a huge week uh, for news today. Some some sad, unfortunate news uh, that we're going to be talking about uh, in in a little bit here. Um, a huge amount of news as it relates to Arcane and the development of Redfall, and you know Redfall as it plans to release. Got a little bit of Lego 2K Drive uh, news. Um, 2K announced a new Lego uh, open world driving game. We're going to talk about that. A little bit of news as it relates to the uh, Spider-Man 2 uh, game release and so much more. But the biggest news of this week, uh, ain't no doubt about it, is Counter-Strike 2. Uh, Counter-Strike, if you don't know, Counter-Strike is a first-person shooter, one of the most popular first-person shooters in the world for competitive multiplayer, one of the biggest esports, you know, competitive esports games around, uh, run by Valve. Uh, Valve, of course, the people that make Steam. Uh, you, you, you know, you sometimes forget that Valve makes video games, um, even though they have, you know, games actively in development, games that they're consistently updating, whether that be Counter Strike or whether that be uh, Dota, uh, uh, Dota Two, excuse me. Or whether that be something like Team Fortress 2. Though there was also that Portal uh, release not that long ago. That Portal release had a ray tracing to the PC versions and, and stuff like that. But uh, Counter-Strike 2. The second counter like Not actually, not the second Counter-Strike game. But the first to have two in the title, I guess. Um, so, let's talk about it. Uh, Counter-Strike 2 has been uh, revealed ahead of a summer 2023 release. A limited test for select Counter-Strike Global Offensive players launches uh, launched on uh, yesterday. So here's the deal. It's not really Counter-Strike 2. Like, it's not a whole new game. So basically, if you remember, let's go back to Overwatch. Remember Overwatch? And remember how Overwatch 2 replaced overwatch one like you could not go play overwatch one anymore if you owned overwatch one you know it was replaced by overwatch two and if you'd never had overwatch and you went to go play it it just became overwatch two kind of what they're doing with uh with counter-strike two so um global offensive is the current um you know the the most popular and current version of Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike 2 is going to act as a free upgrade uh, for those. I don't know if they're making the game, doesn't mention anything any, anything about making the game free to play, you know, in terms of like comparing it to the situation surrounding Overwatch 1 and 2, but in this scenario, uh, Counter-Strike 2 is going to be replacing uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive in the form of a free update. Um, they showed off a trailer kind of showing off like a lot of graphical changes, uh, of course, to the game, some improvements to current levels and maps. Got a quote here. All of the game's new features will be revealed when it officially launches this summer. But the road to Counter-Strike 2 begins today as a limited test for select CSGO players. During this test period, we'll be evaluating a subset of features to shake out any issues before the worldwide release. Now, they also have a Back on the website, if you have a frequently asked question, you might find a frequently answered answer uh, there. Valve said the game will be cleaner, brighter, and better looking. Maps in Counter-Strike 2 are receiving upgrades and overhauls, which leverage all of the new Source 2 tools and rendering features. So that's why it's called Counter-Strike 2. It's not because it's the second Counter-Strike game, and I don't think they're trying to fool anybody in thinking, oh, finally, they're uh, finally updating uh, the classic video game Counter-Strike. The engine that Counter-Strike runs on is, is was the Source engine. And Valve has recently made some changes to that Source engine and updated a lot of their you know tool sets for game development to thus basically now call their engine Source 2. So they're basically taking Counter-Strike, go, applying it to 
the Source 2 engine and changing the name in the process. It is also claimed tick rate no longer matters for moving, shooting, or throwing. Um, you don't know what tick rate is. Uh, it is something that hardcore uh, competitive uh, gamers uh, worry about. It's kind of one of the things that um, separates Counter-Strike from its closest rival, uh, Valorant, which is also a uh, first-person shooter. So definitely seems like since Valorant has come out, it's kind of eaten some of Counter-Strike's lunch to some regard. Counter-Strike 2, uh, Counter-Strike, excuse me, very popular game still to this day. But Valorant had a lot of uh, tech under the hood as it relates to a smooth, competitive multiplayer gaming experience that was kind of second to none in terms of its, uh, you know, its, its stability. So it seems like one of the things that Counter-Strike 2 is going to try to improve on is not just graphical performance, fidelity, but also a, a more seamless, smooth uh, multiplayer experience. Uh, previously, uh, the server only evaluated the world in uh, uh, time intervals called ticks. Thanks to Counter-Strike 2's sub-tick update architecture, servers know the exact instant that motion starts, a shot is fired, or a nade is thrown. Nade, their word, not mine. As a result, regardless of tick rate, your moving and shooting will be equally responsive and your grenades will always land the same way. Valve said smoke grenades are now dynamic volumetric objects that interact with the environment and react to lighting, gunfire, and explosion explosions. Uh, Counter-Strike 2 sounds have been reworked to better reflect the physical environment, be more distant, and express more game state. They have been rebalanced for a more comfortable listening experience. Yes, because when I think about gunfire and shooting, I think about how comfortable it is uh, to listen to. That's kind of all we have to go off of right now. You know, I, I my understanding is the limited test that is currently being run is pretty tight-lipped, pretty hush-hush. I don't even see a lot of people, I don't see anybody uh, streaming Counter-Strike 2, so there, you know, no footage of Counter-Strike 2 currently floating around um, the internet, unfortunately. But uh, we will have more. Summer is pretty close. I mean, listen, it is March 23rd at the time of this recording. Uh, summer is, is, is coming up, so... Um, the only way for me to get ready for Counter-Strike 2 this summer is to get my beach body in shape. So I will do I will do just that. You know what? I was talking to a friend uh, a couple weeks back about Counter-Strike. I've thought about uh, reinstalling Counter-Strike Go, giving it a shot. I'm not very good at Counter-Strike. So, you know, with it being a multiplayer game, I'd probably get my ass handed to me. But when it comes to, you know, PC shooter experiences, uh, Counter-Strike is second to none. Uh, I would never touch Valorant with a 10-foot pole. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, uh, but I've always had a, a, a special place in my heart for Counter-Strike. You know, obviously Counter-Strike been going on forever. You know, Counter-Strike Go, not the first, uh, you know, Counter-Strike game. We're going, you know, all the way back uh, to 2000. You know, Counter-Strike started in 2000, 23 years later. Um, here we are. Um, of course, Counter-Strike starting as a mod for... Uh, Half-Life, so you know it's had a it's had a fantastic run, uh, a hell of a uh, hell of a series, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Counter-Strike Two ends up being. Let's talk Redfall. So, oh, ooh, we're gonna get some interesting stuff with Redfall. One of the things before we can talk about Redfall, I kind of feel like we need to talk about um, you know Microsoft owning you know game studios that you know, are potentially developing multi-platform titles for both uh, PlayStation and Xbox. So Microsoft bought Bethesda and with it came Arcane and Tango Gameworks and, and a bunch of other studios. But Arcane had already been working on Redfall uh, prior to the acquisition of Bethesda. One of the interesting things that we were now learning about, um, you know, Redfall is that it was originally in development uh, for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox and PC. Now, it wasn't announced as a PlayStation game, but in, it, there was actually nothing nothing to go off of at the time. There was no, like, hey, pre-order now, hey, come into these consoles. There was nothing. But we've now learned that there was a PS5 version of Redfall in development prior to Microsoft purchasing Arcane. Which, you know, adds a little bit of fuel to the fire of like, oh, well, maybe they are going to cancel, you know, PlayStation versions of Call of Duty. 
um, and things like that. But I guess the thing I would just like to remind people is like you, you kind of can't can't get upset about the ex- like if you don't know it exists, right? You um, if if we don't know if we did, we were never told if nobody ever put any money towards a PS5 version of Redfall and it was canceled. Yes, it kind of sucks that PlayStation owners could have received uh, you know, Redfall as, as a game that they could play, but, you know, plans changed and, uh, and you know, kind of plans change all the time. That's kind of the bitter part of the bittersweet news as it relates to, to Arcane. Um, you know, uh, Microsoft bought Bethesda for $7.5 billion, that is chump change as it relates to their attempt to buy um, Microsoft uh, for Microsoft to buy Activision for I think it's like six nine billion. Like it's a their purchase of uh, of of Bethesda was a deal compared to you know what uh, Microsoft is trying to pay for um, Activision. While perhaps unsurprising, Arcane Austin Studio Director Harvey Smith has now confirmed that plans for a PlayStation release were canceled after Microsoft acquired Bethesda's parent company, Max Media. We were acquired by Microsoft and it was uh, a change with a capital C, he told. This is what uh, Harvey Smith told uh, IGN France via Google Translate. They came in and said, no PlayStation 5, we're focusing on Xbox, PC, and the Game Pass. The Game Pass? That's what they said, the Game Pass. Development that Redfall had started a year prior to the $7.5 billion acquisition. It's not very serious. It's even a good decision, I think, uh, Smith said, of dropping the PlayStation 5 version. It helps support Game Pass and have one less platform to worry about, one less, less complexity. He added, Game Pass has a ton of players. It could become our biggest game thanks to 30 million, where I can't remember the exact number of subscribers. Um, So, you know, and the hope is, is that with... Game Pass making it more accessible for people to not have to necessarily buy Redfall to play it and it being a multiplayer, you know, game. It's not a focus like you can play it by yourself. And in fact, we're going to talk about some of the single player offerings that may be coming to Redfall in, in just a little bit. But it is a game where you can squat up with like four people and, and shoot vampires and walk around spooky Boston or wherever this game takes place. Uh, Microsoft recently announced a Redfall release date of May 2nd. 2023 alongside details of special edition and pre-order bonuses in other newly published interview uh smith said arcane is looking into removing the requirements for solo players to be always connected online so that was the if the cancellation of the ps5 version was the bitter i think the potential removal of redfall's always online single player requirement is the sweet part and man arcane must have felt some sort of burn when everyone was up in arms about um you know suicide squad killed the justice league right because that isn't always online that uh, online experience and again you can play by yourself or you can play with uh with your friends in multiplayer but uh you know as of right now though it's probably not going to be this case when either of these games come out um removing always online I don't know why you would need an online connection in order to play a single player game. I know that, you know, online infrastructure can be so deeply ingrained into a game that it's hard to remove it. But when you have an option to play by yourself, I don't know why you would um, take that much online multiplayer architecture and force it so deep into the game systems that it makes single player a bit of a hassle. So that's the plan. Arcane is looking into removing Redfall's always online single player requirements. No, no news about if that's going to happen before launch. I would not be surprised if it doesn't. This is just, you know, you know, a hope for the best, uh, prepare for the worst sort of thing. There is a possibility that it doesn't come out immediately. That being said, you know, even if it didn't, I think people would be, I'd like to think that people would be understanding and forgiving of it. They could always delay it again. I don't think this game gets another delay. 
I think this game's going to, I think this game is going to hit, you know, we always talk about every, every week, every podcast, I'm just sitting here talking about games getting delayed left, right, and center. I don't know if this game is going to get delayed. And I don't think removing the always online single player component, um, is enough to delay it anyways, but something to look forward to nonetheless. Now this is a bummer. This this is a fucking bummer right here. I got to pull up a couple of things. This shit just... Oh, this post is so long. I'm not even going to read it, but I will say it. Uh, EA has announced plans to delist several Battlefield games. The new story originally started with EA has plans to delist Mirror's Edge and several Battlefield games, though EA says it has no plans to pull Mirror's Edge from sale. All right. Uh, they put out a press release. I'm going to read this press release, then I'll go back to the uh, original news story. Uh, so this is this is written on EA's website. Um, go. Uh, Battlefield Legacy Sunsetting Announcement, an update on Battlefield 1943, Bad Company and Bad Company 2. Here we go. As we close in on 15 years since the release of Battlefield 1943, Bad Company 1 and 2, we are announcing that their journey is coming to an end. Starting April 28th, 2023, Battlefield 1943, Battlefield Bad Company 1 and 2, and Battlefield Company 1 and 2 will be removed from digital storefronts and you will no longer be able to purchase them. This is in preparation for the retirement of the online services for these titles, which will happen on December 8th, 2023. For Battlefield Bad Company 1 and 2, you can still continue to play them and use their respective offline features, such as the single-player campaign. You can also read our fact and service updates for further information on the retirement of online services. While these titles hold a special place in our heart, we're now looking forward to creating new memories alongside you as we shift our focus uh, towards our current and future Battlefield experiences. With this announcement, we also want to take a moment today to reflect on our time with Battlefield 1943 and Bad Company 1 and 2. We share amazing memories of not only their development, but also playing them alongside you. Then uh, the, the post continues to kind of talk about, oh, 1943, and oh, you play it on Wake Island, and oh, it was the first time a Battlefield game was ever digitally released. And then, oh, Bad Company, you got Sweetwater and Marlowe and Redford and Haggard. And uh, just so you know, Haggard, if, if you, uh, I believe Haggard uh, kind of looks like Dax Harwood, uh, if you know who that is. But anyways, um, man, bad, those Bad Company games are so fucking good. Oh my god, remember when Battlefield used to be good? I know that sounds harsh. But remember when Battlefield used to be good? Battlefield used to be good when these games were around. I would also say you could go a little bit further past Bad Company 2 into ba uh, Battlefield 3, and then you could kind of stop around there. Um, give or take, maybe a, a, another game or two. But man, I remember uh, seeing Battlefield 1943 and being like, which is, for the record, 1943 is the sequel to the original Battlefield game, 1942. So Battlefield originally started as a World War II, you know, multiplayer first-person shooter. Um, and then they decided to, you know, after taking it modern with uh, Battlefield uh, 2 and Battlefield 2 Vietnam, which is slightly less modern, um, they decided to go back and say, you know what, we're going to follow it up with a, a kind of a smaller, more um, digital-focused release exclusively on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, and it offered you the ability to play Wake Island, one of Battlefield 1942's most popular levels um, on consoles for the first time. With Bad Company, they decided, you know what, we're not only going to amp up the destruction, the environmental destruction that you've been known to experience in Battlefield, but we're also going to include like a very potent, well-written uh, and focused single, you know, single player story campaign, which was different battlefield game at the time and and man bad company uh looked amazing sounded awesome uh, the multiplayer was cool i actually preferred the multiplayer in bad company 2 um i think they really amped up the destructibility in bad company 2 because in bad company 2 you would do things like oh we blew up a, a hole in the wall in, in this house or whatever 
um, and you could eventually destroy the the structure around it so that the the house would actually come crumbling down whether you were in it or not or whatever. Um, and then of course, Bad Company Two follows up the story of Bad Company One. Such a shame. Makes me kind of want to go back and at least play through those Bad Company One and Two campaigns. Such a shame. It's weird that they originally planned to cut Mirror's Edge as part of this, and then decided not to. But uh, oh well, here we are. It just sucks, dude. Like, welcome to the world of welcome to the world of digital gaming, right? Of course, you know. I don't know if they actually mention it here. Let's see here. Let's go back to the news story for just a moment. So being removed from storefronts April 28th. Online servers are going to be shut down uh, December 8th. EA is working on a new um, new Battlefield game. Of course. I'm going to assume that you will still be able to re-download these games if you have already purchased them, but that it does not say that. I've not been able to confirm whether you can re-download the uh, you know mere, uh, Battlefield games after they've been removed from the storefront. That's a shame, man. Makes me kind of want to go back and replay uh, those Battlefield games for the, the Bad Company games anyways for the campaign. Uh, Amazon Luna is now available in the UK. Canada and Germany. Now, if you don't know what Amazon Luna is, think Google Stadia, but not dead yet. Eh, that's a little harsh, but here's what it really is. Amazon Luna is a cloud streaming game service brought to you by your folks at Amazon. So instead of, you know, downloading the games or having a physical version of the games, you use your internet to stream the games um, to your service, to your to your hardware, um, through the internet, instead of downloading it or anything like that, you just, you just stream it through the internet. Unfortunately, it means you have to have a pretty darn good internet connection in order to maintain, you know, graphical stability, frame rate stability, and, uh, and smoothness of gameplay. But, you know, that's kind of the risk you take, right? You don't need any hardware necessarily to play, you know, these, uh, lot, uh, cloud streaming uh, services but it may not be the most one-to-one um, parallel between that and dedicated hardware. Um, Luna can be played on a number of devices, including PC and Mac, iOS, Android, Fire tablets, and the Fire TV. So doesn't matter if you got an iPhone. Doesn't matter if you got an iPhone, Android, Fire tablet. You can play Amazon Luna on your preferred choice it will work with other controllers though amazon is selling a luna controller so if you have an xbox one controller dualshock 4 controller razor kishi mobile game controller or mouse and keyboard it'll work i have no interest <laughs> just, uh, i guess maybe maybe getting ahead of myself here i have no interest in uh in in amazon luna i don't have any interest in a lot of the game streaming services why because i have a hardware to run these games at a much smoother, you know, and higher fidelity experience than streaming them over the internet. A uh, Luna Plus subscription costs uh, nine, I'm thinking, I'm assuming this is euros, nine euros a month and includes access to over 100 games, including Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes, Control Ultimate Edition, Sonic Mania, Tetris Effect, and Yakuza Kiwami 1 and 2. Players can also subscribe to Ubisoft Plus for 15 euros a month, offering access to over 40 Ubisoft games, they can also subscribe to Jackbox Games for four euros a month, which gives them access to all nine, uh, all nine Jackbox Party Pack games. Uh, players who already subscribe to Amazon Prime will also get access to rotating selection of Luna games using their existing membership. Amazon Luna officially launched in the U.S. on March first, twenty twenty-two, following a year and a half of early access. It has remained exclusive in that region until today. Well, that's something to look forward to if you want to play games in a. I guess. Remember last week? I think it was last week. I can't even remember last week, but let's just assume it was last week. Remember last week when we talked about Paradox uh, making a follow-up to Cities Skylines, which is a you know rival and competitor of Sim City. Well, they're back at it again, uh, competing with uh, you know the Sims people. This time. They're actually trying to rival The Sims. The Sims rival Life by You gets new details and an early access release date. So Paradox 
that make city skylines are now going to try to make a sims competitor called life by you paradox says the game has been created to be the most moddable and open life simulator i really like uh city skylines so it does give me a little bit of hope that uh, they might be able to come up with something cool uh, for the Sims, for a Sims rival. The only thing I would say is that the Sims 4 is pretty good. Like, yeah, you may want to buy some of the expansions and add-on content to get a little bit more features. You know, at times the original Sims 4 experience can feel a little thin um, in comparison to past Sims games. But overall, I think Sims 4 is a is a pretty solid game. It's a it's a pretty fun experience. So. Um, there is definitely stuff that can be improved on and, and built upon or stolen and, and remixed, whatever the case may be with, uh, with a rival, um, teased earlier this month, this game, the game is the debut title from paradox tectonic, a studio established in 2019 and headed by Rod humble, former boss of EA's the Sims label and the ex CEO of second life co-creator Linden lab. Oh shit. They got the second life people involved in this. Woo. All right. Now, now we got something created to be the most moddable and open life simulator life by you will let players create humans and live out their lives in an open world free of loading screens. Paradox said, I think that's actually one of the things about uh, the Sims that could be, you know, a little bit better is like, you can't just have your Sim leave the house and like walk down the street uh, into the next town or whatever. Like it's, there's a lot of loading screens that kind of, you know, chunk up the environments to some extent, but whatever. It's also, it also released a new trailer for the game, which is viewable, uh, above, all right, I'm reading, uh, you can't actually view this, uh, and confirmed that Life by, you, Life by You will be available in early access beginning September 12th, priced at $40 US. Life by You allows players to design and live out the lives of the humans that they create in an open game world where everything is customizable, according to Paradox. Players create their household, build their homes, and tell life's many stories with real language conversations and the ability to switch from third person to direct control gameplay. Players will connect with their humans on an emotional level. That is, that is interesting. That is something I'd be willing to try. You know, in the Sims, you are just, you know, ordering commands, go wash the dishes, take the garbage out, go to work, go to bed, brush your teeth, whatever. But the idea of like actually having, you know, control options where you can physically use the analog sticks and stuff like that to move the character around instead of issuing commands now that now that's something I'd be interested in. That sounds uh, pretty darn cool. Uh, Paradox Tectonic General Manager uh, Humble also claimed the game's extensive customization tools allow for unparalleled levels of storytelling. What do you think about that? A potential, uh, you know, rival to The Sims coming out soon. Speaking of uh, coming out soon, yeah this, is, yeah, this is soon enough. Yeah, that's soon. Actually, that is pretty darn soon. Um, Lego 2K Drive is officially a AAA driving adventure game releasing in May. Players will be able to customize their own vehicles and play in competitive or co-op multiplayer. So, if you remember, Forza Horizon 4 which is an open world driving game slash racing game. Depends on if you just want to drive or race, whatever Um, that featured uh, some Lego themed uh, expansion, which I thought was fabulous. I thought it looked great. I thought the cars were super fun. Um, I thought some of the twists that they applied to the open world nature of Forza was a great fit. And I guess everybody thought that because now Lego and 2k games have teamed up to make Lego 2K Drive, which is coming out May 19th. The title is coming to PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch and PC. Uh, described as an open world game with single player and multiplayer that lets players build any vehicle they like. That's one thing about uh, Lego Forza Horizon. You didn't really have uh, options to build cars. It was like, hey, here's the here's the McLaren, but as a Lego car. Um, which is fine. Um, as first revealed by Video Games Chronicles last year, the game is developed by WWE 2K and NBA 2K Studio Visual Concepts as part of a new line of Lego sports games 2K has in the works. So this is the first of many Lego games uh, that 2K is going to be working on. 
According to 2K's announcement, uh, LEGO 2K Drive will feature a wide open world with different biomes, races, mini games, challenges, and collectibles. Players can build a vehicle with over 1,000 unique LEGO pieces or choose a ready-made one from LEGO City, Creator, Speed Champions, and more. So I guess there's like different uh, different styles of cars, different types of cars that are going to be available for you to either build or pick as pre-made cars uh, in 2K Drive. Uh, 2K Drive will feature competitive multiplayer and a co-op experience. Two-player split screen will be made available alongside online multiplayer. With the history of the Lego, uh, with the history the Lego brands holds, we were very conscious of the responsibility we had to both our partners and longtime fans of Lego Play. While still thinking about how we can bring something new and unique to a Lego title, said Greg Thomas, president of Visual Concepts. For Lego 2K Drive, we assembled a best, uh, best-in-class team of game makers who poured their hearts into an unforgettable experience. We can't wait to share with fans. So. So I watched that trailer. I watched the trailer and I was like, yes, this does give off a lot of um, Forza Horizon vibes because in Forza Horizon, whether you were driving a, a real car or, or Lego car, you know, when you smashed through, you know, when you drove through a, a field of, of flowers, of Lego flowers, you know, shit would just explode into little, little tiny bricks and, and stuff like that. And it was so satisfying. It was so cool. And based on what I've seen in that trailer, definitely given off that like really wacky hijinks uh open world um you know, kind of action racing vibes uh similar to what i experienced in forza horizon so man i was i was not expecting this game to look this good um when i heard that they were kind of working on a lego thing i thought like oh this might be kind of like you know the hot wheels thing where like yes they're gonna have like customization and and you know kind of options uh in the game that kind of mimic the experience of owning the toys, collecting the toys, building the toys, playing with the toys and all that stuff. Um, but man, does that look, uh, that looks fucking rad. Uh, damn. Lego 2K Drive, looking cool. Looking forward to that. That's coming out in May. Goddamn. That should be fun. PlayStation uh, Spider-Man 2. Let's talk about it. So PlayStation is following up the sequel to Marvel's Spider-Man and Marvel's uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. With a video game called Spider-Man 2. I know, it's weird how that works. Um, the voice actor for Venom, Tony Todd, has been telling fans on Twitter that a massive publicity campaign is planned for the sequel with a release in September. That's that's kind of all we know. Like, we don't know 100%. We don't know what day, September, that is coming out. But the plan right now is according to uh, Venom actor Tony Todd that uh, the Insomniac developed sequel is going to be out in September. Uh, plans are for PlayStation 5. No plans for PC. Um, I would love to see that game eventually come to PC. That'll probably take at least a year to come out. But that's all we know. So this is like kind of a quick story. Like we're on the street. My man Tony Todd is 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 talking that mess. <laughs> Maybe breaking embargoes and and development protocol by saying, "Hey, Spider-Man Two might be out in September," which it might be. What do I know? All right, this uh, this one hurts. This this fucking sucks. Oh my god, real bummer. Uh, Lance Reddick. You don't know Lance Reddick, uh, the gentleman uh, who acted in such roles as John Wick, The Wire. Uh, he was also in Destiny 2 as Commander Zavala. He was also in Horizon Forbidden West and Horizon Zero Dawn. He was also in Quantum Break. Actor Lance Reddick has died at the age of 60. According to TMZ, the actor uh, who shot to fame in roles uh, in the roles of HBO's The Wire and John Wick franchise found dead at his studio home Friday morning around 9.30 a.m. local time. Cause of death is currently unclear, but our local, our, our law enforcement uh, sources say it appears to be natural. Reddick has been due to appear on the Kelly, had been due to appear on the Kelly Clarkson show to promote his role in John Wick 4. Reddick was best known in the gaming world for his role as Commander Zavala in the Destiny franchise. The actor played a central role in Destiny 2 since its release and featured heavily in several of its expansions, including most recently, Lightfall. 
Reddick is also known for his role as Silence in the Horizon series of games, where he provided both the voice and facial capture for the character. Aside from John Wick 4, Reddick was due to play Zeus in the upcoming Disney Plus series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Man, uh, such a... What a bummer, man. Um, one of the things about uh, my experience uh, with, uh, with Destiny 2 uh is the you know the classes that you play in in destiny 2 and stuff like that so you know you have three classes to choose from i have spent my destiny 2 time playing a titan uh which uh is the same class that lance reddick's character uh is in the game so when you're a titan you you know basically there are you know kind of three three different commanders per class that you kind of report back to throughout the game though you know, everyone can kind of interact with, you know, the different, uh, the different commanders, uh, in destiny. But if you're a Titan, you know, you it's again, it's just, they kind of describe it and they've kind of framed it in the story as like, you know, typically a, a special bond that the, the, the classes have with their, you know, class affiliate, uh, commander, of course, you know, that, you know, he plays a central role in the story regardless. Uh, he's also the guy you go to for strikes and stuff like that. And, uh, Man, oh, what a fucking bummer! Also, if you've never seen The Wire, uh, one of the one of the greatest TV shows uh, of all time. Um, he was fabulous uh, in John Wick, uh, especially in John Wick Three, when you got to see him go you know, kind of step behind the the hotel desk, kick some ass, and and stuff like that. Uh, what a shame, uh, Lance Reddick uh, will be will be missed. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some of the games that I've been playing, uh, talk a little bit about uh, my coverage of a Resident Evil 4 remake, and so much more. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Glitch Report. Um, let's talk games, man. Let's talk, some, let's talk some games. I have been just hustling, trying to get through my backlog as best as possible keeping a keeping a list of games that i've you know played through and beat um this year uh finished up uh, halo 4 uh, that is the last halo game that i can currently play on pc i would love for them to put five on pc don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon um phil spencer come on dude i'll tweet it if don't make me tweet at you <laughs> don't make me tweet at you because i i don't want to just put five on pc please Anyways, after finishing up uh, Halo 4, moved on to a different uh, uh, game, uh, finished up, uh, started, and and beat Uncharted 4 Lost Legacy. Now, in fairness, Uncharted 4, well, I guess it's not really, there's no 4 in the title, but Uncharted Lost Legacy, definitely the shortest, um, you know, Uncharted game out there. It is, just, just for the record, just in case, you know, like, oh, it's like a spinoff, what is it? Uncharted Lost Legacy is the sequel to Uncharted 4. So if you're going to play the Uncharted games, uh, you're going to have to probably play Lost Legacy last without spoiling anything. Without spoiling anything, I won't, I won't mention anything. But yes, Lost Legacy does take place after 4. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I think one of the things that I liked about it was how short it was. You know, it is a lean video game. And, you know... If you play through the Uncharted games, you know that there is, you know, kind of a formula to it, right? You you show up on this exotic, you know, island, you, you know, kind of shoot and fight and puzzle your way to, you know, the next big part of the story, you know, the next twist in the story happens, and then you have to shoot and run away from whatever, you know, revelation has been made in the story, and then the next level starts and, and, and kind of rinse repeat, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a very potent, very effective um, you know, formula with Uncharted and, and it does not change here in Lost Legacy. I just think that, you know, because like it is a much more, you know, truncated and, and compact experience, I think it ends up being a little bit snappier. Less bullshit, I guess I would say, for lack of a better word. Not saying that Uncharted is bullshit, but there is less of it uh, and thus less bullshit if you want to consider it uh, bullshit in Lost Legacy. I didn't mind the ending, you know, and, and stuff like that. I know that uh, Naughty Dog has talked about like, hey, we're done with Uncharted. And if they are really done with Uncharted, like so be it. But I enjoyed the ending. Um, they really saved some of the most crazy 
action packed, like balls to the wall, blow your mind ass uh, action set pieces towards the end of that game. So I guess if there's one criticism I would would lay at it is that Uncharted and the other Uncharted games do a pretty good job of having like big, crazy, you know, action packed uh, moments and set pieces throughout the game. And it's not that Lost Legacy doesn't. It's just that they're a lot smaller in scale and scope until pretty much the very end of the game. So it almost feels even more like an action movie in that sense, because in some cases, action movies don't want to blow all their budget, you know, or if it is a maybe a more budgeted action movie, they may not want to blow all their budget until that very end of the movie. Right. So um, in some ways, Uncharted Lost Legacy has like the best you know, crazy over the top action uh, of the series. They just save it until pretty much the very end, um, which is fine. I think it doesn't necessarily impact the pacing uh, or my experience of the game negatively. I really loved it. It is very the, the, the gameplay of Lost Legacy is incredibly similar to uh, Uncharted 4. So so that's why, like, you know, you disregard the part where the story takes place after four as well. And you just look at it from a gameplay standpoint, like this is uncharted four again. I would argue that they haven't actually added or done anything different. Now you might get a couple of new guns to shoot. And yeah, there's new puzzles, you know, it's a, it's a different environment. It's a different story, different, you know, treasure hunting and all that stuff. Um, in a, in a different environment. So there are new puzzles. There is like straight up new you know puzzles to, to go through. But um, in Uncharted 4, you got the four by four, you know, truck to drive around in, in certain parts of the levels that is still here. Um, in fact, there's like a, you know, the game kind of starts uh, or maybe, maybe a third of the way through, um, you know, there is a, there's a level that is a very large open world for you to drive from point to point to point in, you know, shooting guys and solving puzzles along the way. Again, very reminiscent of, uh, you know, a lot of the gameplay in Uncharted 4. The uh, grappling hook is still there, so there's definitely moments where you're going to be uh, grappling from point to point, jumping, um, grappling, and then jumping out of the air to punch guys and shoot guys, shooting while swinging. You know, all that Indiana Jones shit that they introduced in four uh, gameplay wise is still here. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, you know, they, they added more collectibles. <laughs> so for a shorter game, there's actually more collectibles in it than past Uncharted games, or at least it feels like it. Because not only are the little treasure trinkets that you can like find in, in different, different corners of the level, but there are also like uh, photos that you can take, like basically, oh, stand in this spot and take a photo or stand here and take a selfie or whatever. And uh and so there is actually slightly more collectibles, which, man, tell you what, I don't care about collectibles in Uncharted. I haven't since two, uh, when I tried to get the platinum trophy. I don't know if I ever ended up getting the platinum trophy into. I'm not going to bother looking at this. But um, yes. So I enjoyed. Listen, I enjoyed Uncharted Four, and uh, you know, kind of let uh, let some time pass before I fired up Lost Legacy. I really enjoyed my time with Lost Legacy. I could definitely see the argument for Lost Legacy being the best Uncharted game again because it is a shorter experience, a little more potent, a little more punchy. Um, to me, it's still probably two or four. It's it's still probably two to Uncharted two or Uncharted four, but Lost Legacy would definitely be the third best. If uh, if I I'm not going to rank them, but doesn't matter. I enjoyed my time with Uncharted Lost Legacy. Fabulous game, uh, backlog complete. I have now finished up the Legacy of Thieves collection. Uh, looking forward to the next PlayStation game that I play on PC. Well, so after finishing that, I was like, well, where do I go from there, right? Where does one go, um, you know, for for clearing out the backlog? You know, I'm I the reason why I was doing this is because, um. Uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake doesn't even come out until tomorrow, uh, Friday. Uh, uh, so tomorrow is the time of this recording. T today, when you're, li it does. You know how time works. So I kind of needed something to to kind of kill some time with uh, before Resident Evil uh, 4 Remake came out. Uh, I jumped into Battlefield 2, 
no, not Battlefield Two, Battlefield Five, which is with Battlefield Five is World War Two, and I thought, you know what, they kind of have some like pretty short campaign, some really like short story esque storytelling in um, Battlefield Five. Let's let's give you Battlefield Five a shot, and it made me realize a couple of things. One, I don't like shooting World War Two guns. I don't know why I enjoyed the shooting and the combat in Red Dead Redemption so much, considering those guns are even older, but like shooting World War II era machine guns and weaponry, it's just a pain in the ass, and I didn't quite enjoy it, so I, I bounced off uh, Battlefield Five quickly. I kind of removed that from my backlog of like, nope, writing this game off, don't want to play it, don't enjoy shooting World War II guns, uh, so I'm good. And then I started thinking about... Um, well, maybe we don't need to play shooters. Maybe we can play other genres of games and whatever the case may be. And um, I noticed that Final Fantasy VII Remake was on sale. And I thought, oh, maybe I should like buy Final Fantasy VII Remake. You know, it's on sale. Pick that up. Get to it. And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Where, um, you know, you're hungry and you're like, oh, I, I would love some McDonald's. And I think this is probably more likely to happen uh, when you're a kid or something like that. You know, it's like, oh, I'm hungry. I want McDonald's. Then your like parents say to you, oh, we have McDonald's at home. And McDonald's that you have at home is like these frozen hamburgers uh, that have been sitting in your freezer for the last uh, for the last eleven months or something like that. And you're like, ah, these frozen hamburgers are not quite as good as McDonald's frozen hamburgers, but whatever. So that was kind of the dilemma that I was facing, you know, of, Oh, I wanted to buy final fantasy seven remake and play it. And then I realized I already own final fantasy. I don't own final fantasy seven remake, but I do own other final fantasy games. So I decided to fire up final fantasy 15. Also, I was just looking out of curiosity on the, you know, one of the reasons why I should consider buying a PlayStation five, uh, or, or something like that is because on PlayStation plus, uh, the PlayStation Plus catalog, they have damn near every Final Fantasy game that you'd want to play um, on there. They have Final Fantasy Type-0, they have Final Fantasy VII Remake and Remake Integrate. Integrate is the PS5 version. They have uh, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered. They have Final Fantasy X and X-2. They have Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. They have Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition. They have Final Fantasy IX Digital Edition. And they have the original version of Final Fantasy VII. I thought, fuck. Maybe I should get a PlayStation 5. Start playing those games there. But uh, but anyways, I'm playing through Final Fantasy XV right now on PC. I'm about 11 hours into the game. Um, I don't even think I'm halfway through the game just yet. Um and I'm enjoying, enjoying it. I'm sorry we're talking about old games here, but it's just, you know, I haven't got the chance to play Resident Evil 4 Remake since the demo came out, so I don't have a lot to say in terms of, like, new games and, and stuff like that. But, um, been playing through Final Fantasy 15. I remember, like, I got, I don't know if I still have my PS4 version of Final Fantasy 15, but I remembered buying Final Fantasy 15 on PlayStation 4 when it came out. And... You know, it was interesting because it was the Final Fantasy games have often been open world to, to some extent, right? Maybe not open world in the traditional sense, but, you know, when you leave a town in Final Fantasy, it loads you to this larger continent or this larger, larger country, like, you know, kind of map area where you can quickly, you know, walk or, or, or fly, depending on what vehicles you have, you know, through this open world, you know, finding these, these caves and, and, and various, you know, forests and stuff like that, plus all the different uh, towns and cities and, and, and kingdoms and stuff like that along the way. Now, in Final Fantasy 15, well, they just decided, well, why don't we just put the open world in a, a much more modern and more uh, palatable um, presentation? In Final Fantasy 15, you play as uh, Prince Noctis, who is um, quickly going to become a king. I'm not going to get into much of the story. But the prince soon becomes a king in um, in in Final Fantasy 15, and uh, Prince Noctis is joined by three of his buddies, and it is kind of a road trip. Like it is, it is almost the video game equivalent of planes, trains, and automobiles. It's really weird. It's a weird game, man. Um, so basically, you set off. Uh, you leave your kingdom to go uh, marry uh, this uh, this magical lady in another kingdom as part of like a peace treaty sort of sort of deal. 
And in the game, you, you know, you guys are all moving and driving through the open world in a car. And, and you know, there've been plenty of vehicles and cars in Final Fantasy, but in in this scenario, they've they've kind of redesigned the open world to be something, you know, slightly more similar to a, to a this is a fucking weird comparison, but like, you know, it's it's like a Grand Theft Auto, right? You, if you see something while driving in the open world, you can just run there and go do it, right? You can see monsters and 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 and, and animals and, and and stuff like that roaming, you know, the the fields and the plains as you drive through it. Anywhere that you can just, you know, get out of your car and run around, you can. So you have that, and then you also have this this combat system, which you can either play as a as a turn based game. Or you can play it as an action game. And, and the reason why you can kind of they, they've split the difference is because back in the day, Final Fantasy was a turn based game, right? You know, you would take turns, you know, choosing and commanding attacks for your different you know characters to to fight the enemy. So you would have, you know, four characters at your disposal and say, OK, this person's going to take their turn now. What do you want to do? Do you want to cast fire? Do you want to hit them with your sword? What do you want to do? Right. Oh, this person is like a mage. Do you want to heal your party, you know, your team members and stuff like that? In in Final Fantasy 15, you do have that option to still do like a weight uh, and issue command style, uh, you know, combat or you can do something action uh, and, and more combo, you know, and direct input uh, focused. The catch is that I don't necessarily find the combat when it is in that kind of direct mode be super engaging. It often feels like I'm hitting buttons and then just watching um, a series of uh, animations take place in front of me, almost like there's a delay between when I issue the command, uh, you know, with in terms of like hit X or hit square to, 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 to swing the sword or whatever, and actually how long it takes for them to go through that process of swinging the sword. So it feels weird. Definitely feels like it's splitting the difference between old final fantasy and new final fantasy. I would also say that, you know, while the premise uh, and the setup of the, of the story is interesting, it does not take long for that story to go completely off the rails. And I am definitely at a point now where I have no fucking idea what's happening in the game anymore. I thought we were going to go marry some princess or something. And next thing you know, like all hell's breaking loose. You know, we're finding out truths about the characters and it's just weird. Um, I don't love it. I don't think that story is very engaging. I think it's using than anything, but I don't mind running around the open world. I don't mind the combat, even if it does feel a little sluggish and tedious. And to be honest, it isn't necessarily a game that I um, am hating or anything like that. It is a game that when I finally beat it and take it off my, you know, my backlog list, I might not think about it too much more besides, man, that story doesn't make any fucking sense. And they just completely throw whatever story, you know, understanding you have out the window, you know, five hours into the game or something, which, you know, the game's like a 30, you know, 40 hour game longer. If you want to spend more time in the open world, you know, you can definitely do other things in the open world. You can, uh, there's side quests and, and stuff like that. of like, Oh, can you go find, um, you know, go find my lost, my soldiers have been dying in the war. Can we find the dog tags for them? Hey, the, this uh, monster is attacking the village. Can you go, go into the forest and hunt down the monster? Um, you know, your car can be constantly upgraded and customized and, and things like that and, and maintained. And yes, you do have to go drive to the gas station to get gas for your car, which is like a little tedious, but the game does feature some fast travel as well. So if you just want to teleport from location to location, instead of driving, you can, it also has a day night cycle. So if you're out driving, you know, down the highways of this, of this magical, game, it's for the, for the record, it is like a weird mix of like fantasy, like, you know, crazy, you know, futuristic fantasy meets like old timey, like you'll just see like what look like 1950s and 60s style pickup trucks down the highway, but then your sword, um, magically transforms into other weapons. Also your guy has your, 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 your friend has a gun and it's just a weird mix of, of styles. And I actually think like it's, it's, it's a pretty cool style. Like, you know, visually game still looks great after all these years, I have no issues with it graphically. I think the character designs are a little silly, but I think silliness, uh, silly characters have always been kind of final fantasy, uh, final fantasy's thing. What I reckon, you know, and this is, 
kind of the point I'm trying to make is every time you turn on Final Fantasy 15, uh, the opening title screen says a Final Fantasy game for fans and new newcomers or, or first timers or whatever. Basically saying, if you love Final Fantasy, boy, do we have a game for you. If you've never played Final Fantasy, this is going to be the game that gets you into it. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not the game that's going to get you into Final Fantasy. I don't think so. I think if you've played other Final Fantasy games, you might find it weird that they split the difference so much between, you know, kind of a action, you know, direct input style combat system mixed with this redesigned, you know, approach to open world meets their, you know, goofy storytelling and weird character designs and stuff like that. And I just don't know if that's going to be the game that gets you into it. It has me curious to eventually go back and, and, and finally play Final Fantasy seven remake. I'm very familiar with Final Fantasy seven, which is not a game Pops, a lot of sirens. I should close the window. But anyways, I'm familiar with Final Fantasy seven. Um, I love Final Fantasy seven. I'm very curious to see what that remake is all about. That remake definitely seems to also have a uh, more action-focused combat system to it. But we shall see. I don't think I'm going to get Final Fantasy 15 done before Resident Evil 4 remake is out. Uh, we're going to try to stream some Final Fantasy 4 remake, assuming that I get my digital copy of the game uh, before uh, before we typically start streaming. So aiming for like a 9, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time uh, start time for the streams tomorrow if we can play uh, Final Fantasy, uh, sorry, not Final Fantasy, Resident Evil 4 remake at that time. Last week, we also played uh, some Forza Horizon. I like literally had never touched a lot of the competitive multiplayer in, well, I shouldn't say literally almost never. That doesn't make any sense. Um... I've briefly played some of the competitive online multiplayer in uh, Forza Horizon 5, but um, I had never played a lot of it. So I got to experience some of that uh, doing some of the races uh, on stream last week. I got my ass handed to me in almost every scenario. The people that are still playing Forza Horizon 5 competitively online are way better than me. Uh, still really enjoying it. Really looking forward to that Rally Adventure DLC. That Rally Adventure expansion is out next week. Super looking forward to that. And then, of course, we also have the Diablo 4 open beta. That is happening, I believe, tomorrow? Friday or Saturday. I need to double check. Um, Really looking forward to checking out uh, Diablo 4. That is one of my... It's weird that, like, two of my most, you know, anticipated games of uh, of 2023 are, you know, kind of coming out around the same time. Well, not exactly. I mean, Resident Evil 4 Remake will be out tomorrow. Oh, Friday, and the open beta for Diablo 4 will be out, uh, you know, either uh, tomorrow or Saturday with a full release uh, for Diablo out in June. Uh, so tons of games eventually coming out, plus, of course, Rally Adventure DLC. Uh, tons of stuff for me to play. I will have more gameplay impressions on pretty much everything um, next week. So next week, we'll talk about Resident Evil 4. We'll talk about Diablo. And if I have time, we'll play some more. Uh, we'll, we'll check out... Uh, Force Horizon 5 Rally Adventures. And if I have anything more to say about Final Fantasy 15, I will. Again, it's not a bad game. I just don't know if I would recommend it to newcomers of Final Fantasy. I think you have to uh, meet Final Fantasy where it is, especially for such a long-running series, right? It's not like they have reinvented Final Fantasy the way that they have um, with other long-running games, right? You think about a game like uh, um, Resident Evil 7, where... Um, you know, they've switched the perspective from third person to first person. They've changed up the style of horror. There, There's horror influences. And yes, you are still finding keys to open doors. You are still saving at typewriters. If you want, there is an autosave system, remember, in uh, in Resident Evil 7. Um, but they kind of reinvented Final Fantasy, Se uh, Final Fantasy 7. They kind of reinvented Resident Evil 7 to some extent with that most recent or one of the more recent games. And uh, it isn't until like the very end where the story's like, ah, maybe it, maybe, maybe there's more to this than what's going on, but I'm, I won't get into that. They, you know, Final Fantasy seven, um, you know, remake is completely different than uh, original Final Fantasy seven. Final Fantasy 15, while an original story just kind of feels caught up in some of the legacy of of the Final Fantasy games. So really curious to see how that seven remake comes out. I will eventually buy it. Maybe next time it goes on sale and I'll check it out. Something like that. Um, looking forward to it. I mean, like I said, they have redone the combat in 
Final Fantasy VII Remake. They've rewritten the story in Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I think maybe for new fans, Seven might be Seven Remake might be the game uh, to get into more than something like Fifteen. That is going to do it for the podcast. I've been Nitwit. Find everything that I do over at my Linktree, linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all of that good stuff, okay? Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Take it easy.